Hey, Guns Up Nation, I'm Keith Donnie, your host for the Guns Up Nation podcast, the flagship podcast for the brand new Guns Up Nation podcast network, featuring tortillas and takes, talking tech, and of course, the Ramblin' Raiders. Be sure to go give them a follow and a listen if you need more Texas tech content. Today, we got a baseball podcast for y'all featuring Guns Up Nation writer Trevor Williams. That's at TWilliams underscore 13 on Twitter. But first, let's get to a basketball update. Joining us now for our basketball update is Guns Up Nation's very own Texas Tech men's basketball insider. How are you doing today? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on today. I'm definitely excited to talk about some of the some of the changes uh, that's going on with the program. Of course, yeah. This is a baseball podcast today, but there has been quite a bit of news going on in the basketball realm, and people are excited about it. So we're just going to kind of see what what people are we still targeting right now that we don't quite have signed or that you think we could be signing very soon? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, I mean, I'll probably start at the, you know, with the front court, some of our uh, big man prospects, because I think that's kind of what um, the majority of the fan base is kind of, you know, uh, questionative about at this point. So um, obviously we've, we've heard about, you know, Bryson Williams from UTEP. I think that he's a really good, uh, a good candidate to, to come in and start right away. Um, the, the most recent news I've heard on him is there is a, a coach at UTEP. Uh, I'm not sure, I didn't do a whole lot of digging on it, but there's assistant coach or some kind of advisor um, level role that he's very close with Williams. And that could actually end up um, being the deciding factor on where he lands. So either um, a, you know, potentially a package deal uh, where that coach would come on to that, you know, next team that he would sign with. Um, or uh, it sounds like as of lately, um, UTEP has a good chance at retaining Williams. Um, so I don't, I don't really know how to feel about him at this point. I think that, you know, a fair uh, maybe percentage would be like 20% if I had to guess at this point. Um, and that's just solely based on the fact that I don't think that Texas Tech is going to be hiring any other um, assistance, especially in that kind of like a package deal. But I do think if he does decide to leave UTEP, we have a pretty good chance on him. Um, put up really good numbers last year. I think he dropped like 23 uh, and 13 on Kansas last season. So really good player, um, can play against the best. Um, and then we kind of move on into uh, EJ Onu. He's a really, um, really, really good, intriguing prospect. Um, didn't play Division One ball, but um, is really skyrocketing up NBA draft boards. Um, he's actually declared for the draft, maintaining eligibility, of course. But I do think that um, if he doesn't decide to go pro, which he very well could, um, just because of the intangibles he kind of offers as a player. I mean, he's, he's 6'11", he can shoot, he can, he can dribble, he's, he's quick, he's, he's athletic. Um, pretty much everything you'd look for in a big, um, he's, he's that. I mean, I would consider him more raw than Williams um, in the sense of, you know, he'd, he'd maybe need some more development um, with a few different things, especially with the, the, the change of competition. But um, really like him. I think that, you know, there is a shot at landing him. I, I know that there's a couple Texas coaches following him on Instagram and Twitter and things like that. So I'm not sure um, kind of where he's, where, where his head's at. I, mean, I know he's from Cleveland, I believe. So um, Ohio State was reportedly in on him. That could be a potential option for him as well. Um, so keep your eye on him. I really, really like him. Um, and then we move on to uh, Mohamedou uh, Goyai. Uh, it's He's a uh, he's another lengthy kind of. He reminds me a lot of almost Tariq Owens. I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure he's quite the same player as him, but put up a lot of blocks per game last season. Lengthy, kind of bouncy, 
Um, has it has almost the same frame as the three cones, really long arms, pretty, pretty wiry frame, um, but a really good player, um, someone that we could target as well. Um, I think he put up like 10 points a game last season, but I think we would be more so uh, kind of that mid-court defender um, for Texas Tech. So he's, he's an option. Again, I don't, I don't know how likely he is. I, I, I don't know. I haven't been able to get a whole lot of info on him, but he is a target. He is someone we've reached out to. Um, and then I'd say finally, um, as far as this is what's been reported and kind of what we know today, um, Trey Mitchell, uh, forward from Massachusetts, who's really, I don't, he's kind of a flyer candidate for me. I'm not sure kind of where things stand with that. There were some rumors that he's got a, a handler that's uh, kind of followed him from his AAU days to Matt, UMass. And then, um, you know, he, he coincidentally left UMass uh, when Trey Mitchell decided to put his name in the uh, transfer portal. So absolutely don't know. Um, if that's going to be another package type deal, I don't think Texas Tech's going to be interested in that. Uh, but he's someone to keep an eye on just because he's, you know, he's one of the best uh, transfers available in the portal. Um, he should be releasing his, his list uh, this week, according to his Twitter. So just keep an eye on that. I, I think he's probably a low, um, low percentage, like chance of actually signing him, but, uh, you know, really good prospect. And there are definitely a few connections with Texas Tech. He, he follows a few of the players. I think he follows like, Clarence Nadoni and uh, maybe a few other guys. So just keep your eye on that one. About as far how as many spots go. do we have left for next year? Um, so I was just updating the tracker. So basically, as far as scholarships goes, there's going to be a couple things dependent on that. Um, we don't really know what's going to happen with Benson or Duncan. Um, Duncan reportedly, um, there was a local Lubbock writer that had replied back to me and let me know that he was going to be on some form of, uh, you know, financial uh, – you know, some kind of scholarship with the, with the program. So he, I'm just going to presume he's going to occupy a scholarship at this point. Um, but I don't know about Benson. It, it, so basically this is where we stand. If Benson and Duncan are both on scholarship, then we have three scholarships left to offer. Um, if, if, if one of them is on scholarship, which I, which is kind of my presumption, I, I would kind of assume that, you know, Benson will either take that walk-on role or Duncan will. Um, that would leave us with four scholarships. So that's kind of where we stand now. Um, the thing that I just learned, I guess it was about last week, is Marco Santos Silva won't actually uh, count against the scholarship count because of a new uh, COVID rule. Since he's a senior, since he's not transferring, he so will actually not would, occupy one. Wouldn't Avery Benson be on that same boat as well then, since he is also a senior and not transferring? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that is true, I guess. So th that would, that's, that's, I guess nine would be where we stand now then, because um, Benson, I, I just haven't been really sure with his, his, I don't think anyone's been too sure with his scholarship status, kind of, he's kind of varied, uh, each semester, but that's, that's definitely a fair assumption. Um, I haven't heard that directly from Texas Tech, but that's kind of where I would, uh, lean towards at this point. So nine is probably a fair assumption. That would be Ethan Duncan, Chabuzzo Agbo, Malik Wilson, KJ Allen, Kevin McCuller, Clarence Nadoni, uh, Davion Warren, Adonis Arms, and Chandler Jacobs. Um, that's kind of that's kind of the the list that we have now. And we have, of course, um, Mac McClung and Terrence Shannon Jr. Kind of. I was going to ask if you could around. kind of uh, give us an update on Mac and TJ. See where our NBA guys stand. If they're uh, leaning NBA or if they're leaning coming back or maybe going over to Europe. Do you know what, what do you know? Yeah, so uh, I'll start with McClung because I think more people have been curious about him because, of, you know, he had the tweet, uh, what was it, a couple of weeks ago where he said, hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm withdrawing my name from the transfer portal. 
I think that kind of confused some people, myself included. Um, I think initially when that news first came out, the, the kind of, you know, the, the conception was that there's a really good chance McClung comes back um, considering that, uh, you know, just considering that he's not really projected at this point to, to get drafted on any boards that I've seen. Um, so I don't think the NBA is necessarily, um, you know, a big factor on the McClung um, just kind of, uh, watch, I guess, if you want to say. I, I do think that um, overseas is definitely an option for him. I've, I've noticed he's followed a couple of, um, you know, NBA uh, just management companies and, and agents and, and things of those sorts um, recently, which is maybe an indication. But I think the biggest indication is, is likely um, just how hard we're going after guards at this point. I don't think that, I don't think that Wilson uh, from Louisiana – who was, you know, being pursued by Auburn, by Oklahoma, um, you know, Georgia, Mississippi State, others. I don't think he comes to Texas Tech unless, you know, there's a conversation about McClung. Um, that's not, that doesn't mean anything in set in stone. I just think that um, that just kind of shows where the staff's head is at right now. Um, so I'd say at this point, uh, don't, you know, don't count on McClung returning. Um, all, the soin all the signs are pointing towards the, the opposites. Um, whether that be, you know, going overseas um, or, you know, going like the G League route. Um, so that's, that's kind of where things stand with him at this point. And then as far as TJ goes, I mean, it, it's pretty much assumed that he will be entering the draft, even though there, he still does have that opportunity to return, but it is very, yeah, he's going. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think you, I think you're right there. Uh, from everything I've heard, um, you know, he's, He's pretty much gone at this point. Um, I don't think that, uh, especially especially with the, the depth that we've acquired, uh, kind of the same position, same role that he was in last year. Um, you know, you've got Davion Warren, you've got Arms, you've got, uh, you know, now you have Agbo, you got Wilson. Um, so I think that, I think that, that, that's, that that wing kind of guard position is getting pretty cluttered at this point. And I think it, again, is an indication of, kind of where the staff is, is kind of expecting, um, you know, there to be holes in the roster, which would be, you know, Terrence Shannon's spot and Mac McClung's spot. Um, so I, at this point, I don't, I don't think it would be fair for fans to really get their hopes up on either of them returning. Um, it would obviously be a pleasant surprise for everyone, but I would just go ahead and kind of count them, um, you know, not a part of the roster for next season. I think I a few more things for you before we finish up. What player are you most excited for, incoming player? So, new guy. Uh, and I'll go ahead and throw Ogbo in here, too, since he didn't get much playing time last year. Yeah, it's, it's a really hard question. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I may be one of the more kind of optimistic uh, people when it comes to what Mark Adams and his staff have been able to build. Really, really think that they've uh, done a lot of things that have, have really hurt us the last two seasons. Um, rebounding being one of the biggest things, and also, and honestly, defense as well. Um, it, at times, it's looked a little bit awkward. Um, obviously, the motion offense is likely gone, um, which is going to really help things uh, just kind of look more fluid on that end. But as far as uh, you know, being a, a that rebounding kind of gritty, uh, hard defensive team, I, I think that the the roster we've assembled, it, it's it's lit, it couldn't be better. Um, but as far as a specific player, I, I really, really think that uh, Kevin McCuller is going to have a big season. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he leads the team in, in scoring. Um, I don't think he's, you know, he's not likely going to be that guy, like that Mac McClung type guy where you just 
feed him the ball, you know, series who, after series. But who I is our think, ball handler and point guard, point guard right now? Our guy that carries the ball up court and distributes it, our, yeah. our facilitator. Who is that right now? Um, so I would keep your eye on Malik Wilson. I think that that was a big signing for them. Um, you know, he 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 wasn't the, the necessarily like you know a nationally recognized guy in the transfer portal, but you know a lot of the analysts that I've talked with have said that this guy is a top fifteen type player in the transfer portal. So the, I I love him. I mean, I think that he's likely our best ball distributor. Um, I think he's really athletic. He's he's kind of he he reminds me a little bit of. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a great comparison for him, but he's really, I really think that he fits Mark Adams' scheme, and I think that he's easily our best ball distributor for next season. Um, you could look at someone like Chandler Jacobs. You know, Clarence Nadoni obviously is going to have a much bigger role this season. I'd expect him to, you know, average pretty good minutes this year. Um, I could easily see him scoring eight to 10 points per game. Um, you know, I just, I, I'm not sure that his, 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 uh, kind of his ball handling and his uh, his vision is quite where it needs to be to, to be starting. Um, but I do think Wilson's at that point, and I really think he can um, kind of develop into that starting uh, point guard role. Speaking of starting, so th this is being recorded around noon on Wednesday the 12th. What is your starting five as of right now for the 2021-2022 season? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I So really what I see at this point is – um, like I just mentioned, I see Malik Wilson running that point guard position. Uh, I see him starting. Um, I like Davion Warren a lot. I think that he's a he's kind of going to be that that uh, that go to scorer when things are are looking rough. I think that you know he averaged over twenty points a game in Division One basketball. Um, definitely was in a weaker uh, weaker conference in the Big Twelve, but he's he's a bona fide scorer. Um, he can get to the you know he can get to the hole. He can knock down shots. Um, like him to start at the shooting guard position. But, I mean, the, the great thing, too, about what Adams has done is he's been able to find guys that can play, you know, the two through the four. Um, you know, like, so Warren, he could easily play shooting guard. He could easily play power forward because he's 6'6". Yeah. He's yeah. The same thing kind of with Ogbo and Adonis Arms. I mean, they're, they're all athletic. They can guard the two and they can guard the four. Exactly. And they can all rebound, which is really important. Um, I think one of my biggest complaints the last few years has been rebounding. I mean, we've all seen it. Um, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, boxing out, um, protecting the paint, things like that. It's just been really tough for us the last few years. We've been pretty undersized. Um, I think last year having Edwards and McClung wasn't necessarily ideal. Um, I think that's why there was a lot of speculation. You know, even if Beer did stay, there was a lot of speculation that one of them was not going to be back regardless. Um, so I think that uh, that kind of speaks to what Mark Adams is looking to do. Kind of think about that national championship team. I mean, we had a lot more length. We had guys that could play, you know, various positions um, with success. So I, so yes. And then, so moving on. So that's Malik Wilson at the one, Davion Warren at the two. Um, I like Kevin McCuller. Obviously he's going to be in the starting lineup. I think he'll either be at the three or the four. Um, and then I have Chibozo Agbo uh, at the, at, you know, at the four at this point. Um, that could easily be, you know, replaced. He's the probably the one that I think that if we do, you know, sign a, a, a Bryson Williams or EJ Onu, he's likely the one that comes off the bench uh, in that in that position. Um, but you know how how Mark Adams is. Yeah. I mean, he could he could end up, you know, Chibozo can end up starting but getting the same minutes as someone off the bench. So. Yeah, I think we'll see that a lot more this year too. I think we'll see a lot more bench minutes this this coming season. As our, I, I wouldn't say we have a much better team, but I. 
our team is a lot more evened out as far as depth on the bench compared to the starters. Like we yeah. have good bench players this year, which honestly last year we we were not getting a lot of production off the bench. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. That's one of the, the main things I've noticed is clearly these, you know, they're trying to build a deeper team, which is going to obviously lead to deeper rotations, which is going to benefit us. Um, we had a very deep team on the national championship team. Um, you had guys like, you know, Brandon Francis, uh, Corfu coming off the bench. Um, those, you know, those are the types of guys that you need if you're going to make a run in March because, you know, you're, there's always going to be nights where your main scorers, your starters are, are struggling. Um, so having guys like Arms and Jacobs and all these different guys um, on the bench, uh, it, it's really going to you know, prove beneficial. And then I have Marcus Santos Silva as a, you know, starting at the five, obviously. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I see at this point. I think that things could definitely change. Um, there was some news um, this morning uh, that we've, uh, I, you know, I was able to confirm with someone at Texas Tech that um, we are in pursuit of Sadar Calhoun, which is a really, really intriguing prospect. Um, he didn't necessarily put up intriguing numbers at Florida State, but he was projected to be a really um, kind of, you know, uh, important player for Florida State next year and was projected to get starter level minutes. Um, so keep an eye on him as another potential person who could step in, maybe start over, uh, you know, Warren. I'm not sure about that. Um, and then also um, there was one other prospect that we just showed interest in today, which is Brandon Mahan from, uh, I believe he's from USF um, or UCF, I'm sorry. Um, so keep an eye on those two. Um, one thing, uh, one additional thing that I'll add about our guards is that there has been some rumors that um, Chandler Jacobs could end up uh, potentially transferring out. Um, I haven't been able to confirm that with Texas Tech, but I have had a few people reach out and tell me that. Um, I'm not sure if that's just because of, you know, how um, the, the depth that we've been, been able to build. I'm not sure if he wants to be kind of the guy that, that, that gets, you know, 30, 33 minutes a game. Uh, but just keep an eye on that. Um, there, there is a chance that uh, Chandler Jacobs could, you know, not be on the roster in the coming weeks. All right, I think I got one last thing for you, and that's where do we stand in the Big 12 next year? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I think that you're going to see another really, really stacked, uh, stacked conference. I mean, I really, I really like what uh, TCU has been able to do. I mean, they've completely revamped their team. Um, Oklahoma has a lot of things to look forward to with their new coaching staff. Um, they've already brought in some really good recruits. Um, they, I would say that Baylor, uh, I believe they brought in one of the, the better um, you know, recruiting classes uh, from 2021. I do think that they're going to, Baylor is going to take a bit of a step back. Um, they just, I mean, you just, they just lost so much. It's going to be, they're, they're still going to be a really good team, but I don't think you're going to see kind of what we saw last year with them. Um, I do think Texas, um, as much as we hate to say it, I do think they're going to be a really good team next season. Um, it'll depend on kind of how their guard play is probably their biggest question at this point. I mean, they brought back some guys from last season, but um, you know, that, that, for me, that's probably the biggest question mark for them. Um, and, you know, you got uh, West Virginia really took a beating this year. I think Kansas State's going to be pretty decent. So I would say, you know, right now, if I'm projecting, I, I like us around the fourth to five, uh, you know, fourth to fifth spot in the Big 12. Um, if I was projecting kind of a finishing um, position, but that could definitely change depending on who we add. It's obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's very obvious that we, we need a, a big. Um, I don't think that there's anyone questioning that at this point. So some things can change that. But at this point, I really like what they've done. I think we're going to be a much longer, a much more athletic team than we have been in the last two seasons. 
Um, I think you're going to see kind of more of a, um, a style of play that, that kind of led us to that national championship. That was our basketball update with Guns Up Nation, Texas Tech men's basketball insider. We, of course, always appreciate him coming on. That's at TTUMBB Insider on Twitter. Trevor, let's get into baseball. I mean, how are you feeling about this number seven ranked Texas Tech Red Raiders team? Uh, all in all, I feel pretty good, uh, especially considering the injuries, uh, slew of injuries that we've had, not only early on to the pitching staff, but then, you know, obviously losing Noisy Her as well. So, I mean, I'd say sitting seven overall with a couple weeks left, um, you know, I feel pretty good. I feel like the team's pretty resilient overall. Um, Tadlock always has us in a good spot this time of year. So I'd say overall feeling pretty strong. Yeah, I didn't see how that Baylor series ended, but I know they, they broke out for like an 18-run inning or something the other day. That, I mean, that's crazy. That, that makes yeah. me feel a lot less bad about that series loss to Baylor when they were going up and whooping up. I can't remember if it was TCU or Texas, but it was definitely one of those two. Uh, uh, Kansas, Kansas State this past weekend, yeah, they won 2-1 to one in the series. Yeah, well, they, they took a game before that against TCU or Texas. It was one of those top two teams. Um, can't remember which one. But it, it does not make me feel as bad that they're uh, sitting in fourth now, that we, right. we lost series to the fourth seed team, not, uh, not somebody a little bit lower on down. Um, what's kind of carrying our team from the pitcher side if we get into our starting pitching? I know we had a few injuries early that have – honestly, they've cost us this year, and that has been a point of that we need to get better on if we're going to make it to Omaha. Um, who's our top two guys, our weekend guys? Yeah, so um, obviously Patrick Monteverde for um, the starters is kind of leading the way right now. Um, he has gotten dinged up the past, you know, couple of weekends here, but he's sitting strong overall. He's still got a 3-2-6 ERA, very respectable. And I believe um, he's – You know, six wins, two losses. Yeah, I believe he's second in Big 12 in the win column. Um, yeah. Overall tied with a few guys. Yep. Well, and then that leads me to the next guy, um, reliever Ryan Sublette has six wins as well, you know, coming in from the bullpen. Um, 30 innings, 2-7 ERA. Uh, I mean, he's, he's our stopper. He's um, in line for some postseason awards coming out of the bullpen there as well. And he's been obviously the most solid guy out of our bullpen, which is kind of struggling at times with control issues. Um, you know, we're having some issues in the, in the middle innings there, not really having uh, consistency like we have in the past. Um, so that is kind of one struggle area as we, as we head in here into the Big 12 championship and into Omaha. Uh, but Monteverde, you know, starting out the games and then having, uh, you know, Mason Montgomery right behind him. And then Micah Dallas has picked it up here recently, too. Uh, starters are, are, are starting to look a little bit better. We need Monteverde to get back on track. But um, all in all, you know, going pretty well there. Yeah, how do you feel about that? If you're Coach Tadlock coming into this postseason with how well Micah Dallas has been pitching recently and Monteverde's recent struggles, who's your number one guy going into the first weekend of games? Who are you starting game one? That's a great question. Um, you know, and I think it's going to come down to a, uh, you know, who's, who's playing well down the stretch. So, obviously, we've got a couple more chances to see both of those guys in the uh, upcoming series with OU and then Kansas to finish out the year. Um, but I'd say on the trajectories right now, if Micah continues to be as dominant as he has been and uh, Monteverdi is still struggling just a little bit, uh, I, I think that come regional time, you have to go with Micah Dallas uh, and let him get us that, you know, uh, a quality start game one, it's going to go, it'll take you a long way rather than taking the risk of Monteverdi getting knocked around early, you know, maybe having to go to your bullpen and use guys like Sublette earlier on in the weekend when you can save their arms for, you know, championship game. 
Yeah, and to say struggling for Monteverde is it is relative to the rest of this, um, to some other pitchers on this Texas Tech staff, or relative more to how he had been doing the rest of the season. I mean, he's still a guy that has a six and two record with three point two six ERA. Yep. I mean, he's striked up what roughly sixty three batters in sixty innings this season. That's phenomenal. That's yeah, exactly what great. we want to see. Agreed. We'll get over to the hitting side. I mean, and some of our hitters this season have been crushing it. A lot of people over-exceeding expectations. Some people a little bit underperforming, but I think overall the uh, the good outweighs the bad on that term. I mean, Jace Young, Drew Baker, and Cal Connolly have all been crushing the ball. Yep. I mean, they, Drew Baker slowed down a little bit here. I guess not not as recently, but I think he had a pretty good game against OU out in Amarillo. But before that, he had slowed down a little bit. But, I mean, he is crushing it. 16 home runs, batting 365. And Drew, Break, Drew Baker himself is almost up to batting 400. Uh, it's an exciting time to watch this Texas Tech offense. I mean, we got three guys above 330, and then we got Braxton Fulford, of course, and Cole Stilwell, who've been mashing recently, too. We've been getting a lot of extra base hits, a lot of doubles, a lot of home runs for this Texas Tech team. Yeah, to add on to that, I mean, we're sitting 25th in the nation right now in runs scored. Um, obviously, there's some differentiations there with games played. Some conferences not have played as much, and some have played a little bit more. But overall, I mean, we're averaging over – seven and a half runs a game. So, yeah, like you're saying, the offense is definitely doing its part to keep us in ball games. And that was the University of Illinois-Chicago series that got canceled, if I'm right? Yep. It was a four-game series. Yeah, that would have been – I'm no disrespect to the University of Illinois-Chicago, mm-hmm. but that would have been a nice series for some of our stats, some of our guys that are trying to boost their draft stock a little bit. Agreed. Um, I don't know that we have any big names for the draft this year, but Jace Young's looking like he could be a top-10 pick in the 2022 draft. And Absolutely. if he keeps playing this well, I mean, his OPS is 1,200. That is ridiculous to think that he's – I mean, if you would have told me a year ago that Jace Jung would be better than his brother Josh Jung for Texas Tech, I would have told you you're a liar. But he is killing it. I mean, we have to search the cracks of every town to find another one of these young brothers for his next year once okay. Jace is out of here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we got two guys with an OPS over 1,000 and – three guys with an OPS over 900. And those are just of our active guys. I'm not really going to do uh, OPS or averages for guys that have played less than 75% of the games. Uh, Dylan Carter, we he's coming on a little bit more recently. Um, it would be really important for us, for him to find his bat and his swing back like he used to. Agreed. But uh, he kind of makes up for it in the field with all those oh, sports center top 10 plays, man. He's killing it. And everybody from our left fielder to our radio announcer is making Sports Center top 10 plays. It is fantastic. If you're a pitcher coming out of high school and you don't know where you want to go play college ball yet, at yet, if you're um, not going into the MLB, I mean, Texas Tech, you can't find a better defense. I, I would be willing to bet on that, that we have one of the better defenses in the nation. And maybe not even in the amount of errors we have, but just in the amount of runs we saved. I wish there was a uh, better stat for that among college. I know it's not tracked that well. I know in the MLB you can find runs saved and stuff for outfielders. But right. right. if that was being recorded in college, I'm 100% sure Texas Tech would be leading the nation. We'd be up there. Yeah. I mean, the diving catches. You, you could probably go on SportsCenter on a weekend basis from one of our series and see at least two catches, unless they just got tired of showing them, which – I don't blame them. There's there's quite a bit. I mean, I think we had an inning lot earlier in the year where we had two catches that could have easily been top ten. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, uh, you know, you you look back at years past, you got guys like Grant Little making the same plays. It's kind of a 
it's a constant, consistent thing here. You're wondering what kind of uh, practicing they're doing out in the outfield at, at Dan Law during the week. You know, is Tadlock making them dive up into the wall to make these plays? How are they getting? How are they training to do this? Because it's it's a consistent thing every weekend you're watching, and like you said, every weekend there's something on Sports Center. These guys making crazy plays. Yeah, one thing I do want to mention is this Texas Tech team draws a lot of walks. We have a lot of guys that are really good at plate discipline. I mean, to give you an example, Dylan Noose has 96 at-bats. He's got 23 walks and five hits by pitches. That's 30 at-bat or 30 plate appearances out of 120 or so that you have a walk. I mean, that's awesome numbers. And that's how it is relative throughout the team. I mean, Jace Young's got 35 walks. Cole Stilwell, 22. Uh, Easton Morrell, 29. Plate discipline has been really good for Texas Tech this year. Uh, one guy that's kind of struggled that I wish would hopefully pick it up a little bit towards the postseason, that'd be nice, is Nate Rombach. He started off pretty hot, hitting two or three home runs in the first week of the season, but his average has dropped down to 183. Um, I know, I think he had a little bit of an injury, and then he hasn't been as much in the starting lineup as he was towards the beginning of the season. I mean, he's played 28 games and started 20 of them. Is yeah, what I have. He, he, uh, he went through that, that rough stretch kind of right there in the middle of the season at the beginning of conference play where he was like 0 for 40. Uh, had a, kind of a rough stretch there. And um, you know, you've been seeing him get a little bit of action in these midweek games. Uh, Tadlock trying to give him some confidence, I think, going into the end of the season here. But yeah, like you said, he that guy can absolutely crush and he's good to have in the lineup as a DH. So Hopefully he can he can find his groove here towards the end of the year. Yeah, and how about Kurt Wilson kind of coming on for his as of late? It's been a nice uh, surprise to see him hitting well. Um, he hasn't played. I know he didn't play in the Texas series or the Oklahoma series much, but he had been he he hit pretty well against TCU. I think he was like three for eight in the first two games. Yeah, um, he's been coming up clutch for us. I would say more than anything else, he's been hitting in the big moments with runners in scoring position. Um, I think that's all we have on the batting side. So where do we kind of stand as far as the postseason goes? I mean, there is 16 national seeds for that, or they get to host regionals for the postseason. Um, right now, Texas Tech is obviously ranked number seven, but where do we stand on a competition level? Yeah, so um, going into here, obviously ranked seventh, you kind of starting to get a good picture of what those top 16 and even top eight seeds will look like as far as a regional and super regional standpoint goes. Um, on the pitching side, we, um, we kind of stack up towards the bottom of the pack there. Like I mentioned, some of the bullpen issues. And the injuries um, early really caught. I mean, we, we're, we're, we lost probably three starters and one of our top-end bullpen guys that just would have been really nice to have. Of course. I mean, Dobbins and Birdsell both mm -hmm. having them would, would be a, a tremendous help to, to the staff right now. But um, – you know, looking at a, a 4-3-9 overall team ERA and um, just to compare those to some of the other top teams, like UT is sporting a 2-9-2, good enough for six in the nation. Um, and they're actually top out of the, of the top 10 teams right now. Um, and then going over to uh, strikeout to walk ratio, pretty low in that category as well. We're only getting 2.3 strikeouts per walk, um, 85th in the nation there, um, which is towards the bottom out of that top eight group too. So um, it is kind of a struggle there. The Obviously, the good thing is, like you're saying, our offense has been doing very well. Um, so that's hopefully going to carry us in there. But, um, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the D1 baseball came out with their projected field 
Um, they actually had us as a 10 seed, so hopefully towards the end of this year we can get in that top eight. That way we can host a super regional. But um, as a 10 seed there, they have us matched up with Notre Dame as a seven for those two regionals there. Uh, and against Notre Dame, pretty comparable. Um, pitching staffs are, are both putting up similar numbers. Um, we do edge them out in runs per game. So um, sitting pretty strong there from a competition standpoint. But um, when you get to the postseason, it's, it's all about consistency, your bullpen, um, you know, people – people making runs here and coming on strong late is always a good help. And, and like you had mentioned, that offense, um, you know, crushing balls is definitely going to be a help. Yeah, and one, one thing that our, our pitching staff has to stop shooting themselves in the foot with these walks, I mean, that really killed us. You, you saw it especially – well, I guess you probably didn't see it because Longhorn Network is terrible. But towards the end of that UT game, we, we walked a lot of batters, and that really put us in a tough spot towards the end. That made that game a lot closer than it should have been. And – to be fair, on UT's side, they walked a lot of our guys that put them in the tough position in the first place. So it's just something that if we can manage on the pitching side and you do the advantage on our batting side, it can carry us a long way in this postseason. Um, that's the biggest difference between a college pitcher and a pro pitcher is a little bit of velocity and a lot of control. Yep. Yep. So we have – the I think they're number six in the Big 12. OU left. We have a three-game series, I believe, in Norman, Oklahoma with them. Um, we should hopefully take care of business there. Anything other than a 2-1 series victory for us would be disappointing. And then coming up to Kansas, and obviously it's not basketball, so Kansas is the worst team in the conference. Um, so <laughs> anything less than a sweep there would be a disappointment for this Tech team. So I, I think if we can finish out 5-1 – and one, or better, then we're going to definitely keep one of these top eight seeds and probably host the Super Regional as well. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, it looks like the top two seeds in the Big 12 are going to be pretty hard to get there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to be reaching a point where we can win the Big 12 this season. It's not impossible, but we're four and a half games back. We have six games left, so we, we would need a lot of help, and it's, it's very unlikely. Agreed. One with uh, so with Kansas, I mean, if you look at their starting pitching, um, their starting pitching have some of the worst ERAs in their team. So if we jump out early on Kansas, um, the bullpen is their strength. So if we never let them get a lead, um, like you said, that that should be a sweep and that should um, be a series that we easily take care of. Um, and then with OU, uh, we did see one of their better pitchers in Carter that that night in Amarillo. We saw him for one inning and he went three up, three down with a couple strikeouts. Um, but their bullpen's pretty solid as well with rough corn Taggart. Um, and then they have a, a one good starter, Carmichael. Um, so we need, to, we need to get on him early that way. Maybe we can use up some of those bullpen guys pretty quick. But <clears throat> like you said, anything less than two wins there in that OU series is going to be pretty detrimental to us getting a top eight seed. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah, in, any series loss in there will, will basically kill our hopes of getting a top ten seed unless um, a lot of these other top, top ten guys drop out too. I don't know that uh, OU – I mean, TCU or Texas has a real tough series coming up, I think. Um, somebody has Baylor. When is the Big 12 tournament? Do we know? Is it – I think that's like the very end of May, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the end of this month. And it, obviously we, we need to at least do decent in that. I would say placing in the top three would be a, necessary for us to maintain one of those top ten seeds, but – even a loss there. I mean, I, I don't know how the Big 12 tournament is structured. Is it a double elimination? Yeah, double it, elimination. Yeah. So, and it's is it is it top eight go or does everybody go? Yeah, top top eight, and um, I believe it's it, in the past it's been top eight at least. 
And then so right now sitting at third, um, we'll be matched up in the bracket first game with the sixth seed. And then we'd be in the same side of the bracket as the second and the seventh seeds. Um, so likely UT. Um, and then I'm not sure who's seventh right now, but um, we, we need to win a couple games in there as well to help out. Yeah, the Big 12 tournament would be huge. To if, if, if we can end up winning the Big 12 tournament, even with a series loss in one of these last two series, I think that would get us back up to where we need to be. But it would be a lot closer than it needed to be, and we would have to win the Big 12 tournament yep. to at least one of these series. So I, I, I know a, the postseason structure for the NCAA is a point of confusion for a lot of college fans. Basically, you, you have 64 teams just like basketball, but – after that, it's nothing like the basketball tournament. Um, you have 16 sites, and each of these sites hosts four teams, and the, the sites are chosen most years based on the top 16 seeds. This year, you'll still each seed will still host its own site, but it may not be, for example, Texas Tech, even if they're a host this year, may not host in Lubbock due to COVID policies. I don't know. Um, nobody's really been able to understand exactly what the NCAA is going to do with these host sites yet this year. So we'll see if they'll be in Lubbock or elsewhere if we do indeed get one of these host spots. But basically you have 16 hosts and they host four teams and you do a round-robin tournament, a double elimination. One team advances from every regional and then you meet a second team in the super regionals. So of the 16 teams that advance, the top eight seeds will face the bottom eight seeds and so on. Um, they all play in a three-game series. So if, let's say, we advance and for some reason we're playing um, – let's just say Oklahoma wins their regional somewhere. Uh, we'd be playing Oklahoma probably in Lubbock in a three-game series to decide who goes on to the College World Series. And all, obviously out of the winner of all those, there'll only be eight teams left. And that, that's how you form your College World Series field, which follows basically the same exact format. You have two groups of four teams that play each other double, double elimination tournaments. The winner of those play in a three-game series to determine the national champion, the national champion, the College World Series champion that year. Um, if you've kept up with te tech baseball closely, you should kind of know that structure. We've been in and out of there, especially in the playoffs the past five years. Tadlock's done a phenomenal job, and we're really hoping to be back this year. It'd be a great bounce back for basketball seasons. Um, not unexpected early exit, but it's not what we wanted to happen. So that would be a great jumping point for us. Trevor, do you have anything to add on that? No, I mean, and getting to Omaha this year would, would be just, you know, a little bit more special than years past with even more adversity that we've gone through. seems like it's a, it's a constant thing with losing pitchers on this, on these teams, unfortunately, year after year, seems like we've got guys going down, but um, through this year, there's been a lot of adversity with arms, uh, um, losing series due to COVID, things like that. So I think getting to Omaha this year would be a little extra special for, for Tadlock and the team. Um, and, you know, like always, we've got two weeks left and we're in a good spot to get there. So um, just going to be about coming through and um, making wise decisions with the bullpen and managing the bullpen well. It's not as deep as it has been in years past, so we're definitely going to have to manage that in a way that gives us, you know, the best opportunity to go through an entire regional series Um you know, winning the first game of the regional is going to be of utmost importance um, to help manage that, you know, less dense bullpen that we've had in the past there. But, um, no, look, looking good overall. One of the questions we had from our fans that we posted on Twitter, and, guys, we're going to start doing this more often. So what we're going to do is we're going to post a um, kind of breakdown of what we're going to be talking about on the pod this week, the day before. And if you get your questions in on that tweet, whatever you want to ask, we'll try and get some of the better ones answered and 
see or I guess help y'all figure out where this tech team is and what you want to know about this tech team. So one question we had was, what's the biggest obstacle stopping TTU from getting to Omaha this year? And I think that's clear. I mean, we'll, it's clear in your, depending on how you want to describe it, you could say injuries, which hurt us earlier in the season, but you could also say our bullpen and our pitching staff, which is obviously hurt by way of those injuries. Um, I think that's going to be our biggest struggle this year. We, we need to throw strikes and, we need to not get raked out in the field. I mean, we, we've had some tough innings this year, and most of those tough innings don't stem from people getting base hit, base hit, base hit, or home run, home run, home run. It's walk, walk, double, or a single and two walks, and then pass balls, you know. That, that stuff we have to fix if we're going to be successful in the postseason this year because a lot of other teams will not make those same mistakes. And with that being said, a lot of the teams don't have the bats that we have to back up their pitching staff or some of the better back-end bullpen arms like Sublet. Um, uh, said right. Trevor, what do you have for our biggest obstacle to getting to Omaha? Yeah, and, you know, common theme of the podcast, I guess, but it's definitely the bullpen depth. Um, that's that's going to be the biggest hurdle there, especially if you get into a spot where, you know, lose the first game of a regional would be bad. Uh, if you can make it to the Supers, losing the first game of a Super would be tough there as well. Uh, just because that depth isn't, you know, where it's been in years past, what we're used to going into Omaha. Um you know, and to go on to that, it's, it's a lot of control issues. And we've seen a lot of walks this year. Um, you know, you, you've got guys like Levi Wells, uh, more walks than innings pitched. And then some, some other relievers, um, you know, approaching their innings pitch number with the same amount of walks. So um, need to find the zone and need to throw strikes there from the bullpen. Because um, like you said, our, our fielding is spectacular. We can make all the plays in the field. Uh, can't be giving guys free passes. And that that leads to those crooked numbers in the innings, uh, makes it tougher on the offense to come back from. So biggest hurdle is going to be the bullpen depth and the control issues. You need to limit the walks and uh, definitely jump out in front of teams in the regional and super regionals. Yeah, and I think one of the bigger things is that we need to be kind of on the lookout for is Coach Chadlock start pulling his pitchers earlier. And I, I'm not going to criticize him for not pulling them soon enough in the regular season. Um, I did mention against the Texas game before we gave up a – slew of runs in that, uh, what was it, the seventh or eighth inning? It was the bottom of the eighth, right? Yep. Um, I had mentioned that we had needed to take out – let me double check who was pitching that day because um, I, I can go back to my tweet real quick. I, I actually put it out on Twitter. But I had mentioned that we needed to pull him about an inning earlier. He was looking kind of tired, showing signs of fatigue. Yeah, so it was Micah Dallas, and after the seventh, I, I don't think he should have gone back out there. I mean, he was showing those signs of leaving the ball up in the zone and not really having his great control in that seventh inning. But when he got sent back out there for the eighth, I thought that was a little bit of a questionable move. Looking back on it, I think it was kind of to see how far he could push Micah for this postseason run to see, you know, when we get in these later games in the series when we don't have the bullpen arms that are ready to go that – can get out there and get the job done, see if he can leave Mike in for that extra inning. And I think he kind of found his answers there that we will have to break into that bullpen once they start to get tired and show those signs of fatigue. Definitely agree. And I think that's all we got today for the baseball podcast. Thanks to Trevor for joining me always. And thanks to everyone who listened today. Be sure to follow Guns Up Nation for all the latest Texas tech news. Be sure to follow all of our partners on the Guns Up Nation podcast network. That's Tortillas and Takes, Talking Tech, and Ramblin' Raiders. They're going to be getting you great content every week. And we're going to start trying to get content out weekly on Thursdays for you all. 
that's going to be a, a big factor. And we're getting into the summer. A lot of our people are getting out of classes, getting a little bit more time to work on the podcast. So we're going to be bringing you all a lot more episodes and a lot more quality information and hopefully a lot more guests. We had Trevor come on today and we also had our Texas Tech men's basketball insider come on today. Both of them provided a lot of great insight, a lot of great information for you all to stay up to date. And we're also working on getting more former player interviews, prospects, coaches, whatever we can get that can help provide the most up-to-date and the best information about this Texas Tech team. So a special thanks to everybody who helps out with this podcast and the podcast network. I guess uh, we'll see you all next Thursday.